Hey, y'all, it's Becky Hayes. And you guys know already that I'm very passionate about what I put in my body, um, especially drinking water because the majority of our body is made up from water. The majority of these chemicals and toxins, which are pesticides, nitrates, arsenic, lead, hormones, aluminum, radioactive contaminants, and the list goes on. Not only are those in, in your tap water, but also fluoride. And I want to touch base on fluoride. It's not good to consume fluoride every day in your tap water. And let me tell you why fluoride is so bad for our health and what it does. And I'm going to touch base on the penal gland. The penile gland is the small little gland in your brain and it's located in the center of your brain. Fluoride can calcify the penile gland. And it's the reason why our penile gland is so important that is also our third eye. Now, the, the name third eye comes from the penile gland's primary function of letting in light and darkness, just as our two eyes do. This gland is the melatonin secreting neuroendocrine organ containing light-sensitive cells that control the circadian rhythm. Therefore, it helps produce melatonin, and then we sleep better. So the penile gland is super important. Not only is it our psychic abilities and being intuitive, but it also helps with our sleep patterns. And you all know how important sleep is to our body. Um, so the penile gland, we really need to protect it and keep it safe. So fluoride actually calcifies the penile gland. Trent, the owner of Enaviv, has so much knowledge and his team has so much knowledge to help you to cater to what you need in your home. And I'm fortunate enough to have the complete chemical removing system in my home. I can taste the difference. I can feel the difference because I'm not bathing in toxins and chemicals. And my kids aren't uh, ingesting these as well. And that really gives me a peace of mind. And get your, your water tested at least. They'll come out and do a free consultation. They'll test it. They don't pressure you into buying anything. They just want to give you knowledge. And if you mention my name, you will get half off a water filtration system. That's saving you over $700. So please give my friends at Enaviv a call at 801-993-0080. Again, that's 801-993-0080. Or you can reach them on their website at enaviv.com. That's E-N-E-V-I-V-E.com. They can service anywhere in the United States. You do not have to be local to Utah. But if you are local to Utah, head on down to their Pleasant Grove location. They can test your water there or they can come to you. Camino Free is the way to be. Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome to the Becca Hayes Show. I'm your host, Becca Hayes. Right before I started speaking, I was thinking, oh, I shouldn't say hey guys, because that might offend some people, you know, women and whoever gets offended by it. But then I thought quickly right after that thought, I was like, well, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> I'm not changing. Nope. Um, oh man, boy, am I excited to be back home. Oh, I uh, <laughs> I have a story for you guys. Uh, I'll get into that in just a moment. But, you know, whenever I podcast by myself, it's kind of things that um, I've been up to, uh, my family, and things that I'm discovering and learning. To give you a quick layout of the show today, I'm going to talk about uh, my new discovery of Gaia TV, which is fucking phenomenal. I'll get in that and what I've been watching. Um, talk about... Uh, my most recent trip to Florida 
and what that entailed. And um, I had a friend that had passed away recently. And my experience with that was actually is quite interesting and pretty scary. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, first off, though, I'm like, gosh, where do I start? Um, let's start. Let's start with the Florida trip because that was like the most recent thing that's on my mind. Um, so my best friend is a pilot for Delta and she probably a couple years ago moved to Florida. So I don't see her that often and it's quite sad, but we try to catch each other every time she's here cause she, she is based out of Salt Lake city. So she flies out of here quite often. You know, the perks of being friends with someone that works for Delta is they have buddy passes. So buddy passes, if you guys aren't familiar with that, buddy passes are flights that you can buy like a, like a way, way cheap price, but you fly standby. So that's the, that's the downside of buddy passes. Like you just never know which flight you're going to get on. Like even the night before you think you're getting on this flight and my best friend that's a pilot can check the loads. When I say loads, like how many people are going to be on that flight? How many people are listed as standbys? So like what I'm doing and how many people are going to be transferred over from different planes. And you still don't, this is just an, uh, like a rough estimate. You still don't know until honestly an hour before <laughs> you board the plane. It's that intense and stressful. And there was numerous times where I'm like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I'm never flying with a buddy pass. It's so stressful. I don't want to do that again, but it's kind of like having a baby. <laughs> You forget, you know, months after the birth and you're like, oh my gosh, I could do this again. I can push a human out of my vagina. So it's kind of the same situation with buddy passes. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so nice though when you get to fly for like a fraction of the, the price. Up until our my flight Friday, I was planning on getting an early flight, a direct flight, okay? Well, sure enough, the direct flight, the day of, it starts just filling up. Now I'm realizing it's spring break in a lot of other areas, not Utah, but a lot of other areas are on spring break mode, which is not good because now a lot of people are flying. I actually did end up going and listing for that first flight, the direct flight, and I didn't get on. And, you know, I'm fine with it. Like I am learning in my life to not stress about things that are out of my control. So prior to flying, I remember saying this to people and also myself. I was like, oh, you know what? This is going to be fine. I don't even mind flying standby because I need to catch up on so much reading. I have so many audiobooks I need to listen to. So I was thinking to myself, I can, I'm totally fine just hanging out at the airport and just reading, getting all my stuff done that I need to get done because it's hard to make time for reading, especially when I'm home because I have so many other things that I can do when I'm home. So it's kind of forces me to read. And let me tell you, <laughs> be careful what you say and be careful what you think because it will come true. <laughs> I had all the time in the world to read. So I'm at the airport waiting for the first flight. It goes out. So now I'm going to have to connect because there's no more direct flights. Connecting sucks with the buddy pass because, I mean, that's just, you know, less chances that you get on now. You're going to different places. So it's really kind of scary when you connect with buddy passes. And especially, I just have a buddy pass, so I'm at like the totem of the pole. So there's priority. So people that have been with Delta longer, 
their buddy passes are above me. And my friend has only been with Delta for like, I think four or five years. So anybody that has been with Delta longer, they all go above me too. So there's that as well. Um, I used to be on her companion pass like back in the day and it was so nice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Cause it was like, they treated me as a pilot, but I don't have that anymore. Cause she got a boyfriend. <laughs> I got the boot. <laughs> Understandable. It's fine. I'm okay. She's trying to reroute me to all these places. She's like, okay, you're going to get on this flight. It's going to leave here in like 45 minutes list for that. She lists me for, I think flying into Atlanta. Don't make it. And now she's like, okay, I'm going to fly you into Boston and all these, like Detroit. Like there's all these other options to fly into. I think I missed another one. Finally, she's like, okay, I'm going to fly you into Minneapolis. And then from Minneapolis, you're going to fly into, so I couldn't even fly into Fort Lauderdale, which is the closest airport to her because she's in Boca Raton. Um, I had to fly in, I had to fly into Miami now because the Fort Lauderdale one was like totally booked from Minneapolis. So I caught the flight to Minneapolis. I think it was like by like one or two. <laughs> it was like barely. Okay. It was like they were calling everybody's names. And like I was just, I think two minutes before they closed the doors, they finally called my name. Like this is how crazy and stressful it is flying on a buddy with a buddy pass. So I make it. I, I fly to Minneapolis. It's freaking freezing. <laughs> it's so fucking cold there. It was like negative 12 degrees. Now I'm waiting to catch a flight to Miami. So she's going to drive about an hour to pick me up now. I end up catching that flight. Thank goodness. It was like one of the later flights. So I get into Miami almost like midnight. She picks me up again. This is only a weekend trip. So I wasted all Friday just flying, but I'm cool. I'm still cool at this moment. I like, I'm fine because I'm like, I'm getting all this reading done. I'm like halfway through my book now. And I'm like, knowledge is power and I'm like just like yeah this feels good totally fine I have all day Saturday to hang out with my friend I'm so excited it's Florida get me out of the I mean it was snowing in Utah when I left so I was like I'm so excited I'm gonna get like a suntan you know just <laughs> talking everything up in my head she picks me up then we have to drive it like an almost an hour back to her house she's like do you want to go out all my friends are like out I'm like no girl I'm just want to like just chill at your house uh, we had like a glass of wine. It was actually really nice. We had wine and pizza. Like it was just, that's kind of like my favorite thing to do is just like chill, watch a good documentary and like have some wine and pizza. Like, oh, like that's cool. That's cool to me. Even though like I did fly in from Salt Lake and I'm in Florida, but it's still fun. So we're sitting on our couch watching this documentary. It's called the, oh my gosh, what is it called? The Tinder Swindler. <laughs> and she's told me about this before because she's already watched it. It's on Netflix. I probably should watch other things besides documentaries and spiritual stuff and stuff to like learning about energy and sound therapy and all this stuff. But it's just something that's calling to me right now. So I'm like neat. Like I'm so in, in it. So it was actually good for me to like take a break from that in the moment. This guy freaking goes on Tinder, connects with these, these girls. Okay. And he comes off as like basically a a Saudi Arabian prince. And he, of course, this is all lies, but he lies like that. He's like owns these diamond businesses or like his dad does, but he's the prince. And so he's obviously running the company. And 
he's showing like pictures and videos of him in these private jets, which are legit. He is flying like in private jets and like, you know, whining and dining his friends and like the girls that he's dating and um, doing all this stuff. It appears like he is a prince. So long story short, and I'm not going to ruin it for you guys, so I'm not going to say the end or anything, but I mean, I'm sure you know because it's a documentary, but he freaking connects with multiple women at the same time. So obviously they don't know about each other. So that's a douche thing right there. So he's dating multiple women that don't know about each other. Second, um, he ends up like after a month, this is a sad thing because I'm like watching this. I'm like, no, it's only been a month. You're not going to move in with him. What the hell are you thinking, girl? Like totally having these girls fall in love with him, which I think more lust because like, okay, first of all, he's not cute. <laughs> like, no. So, I mean, I, and I don't want to say it, but yeah, like it does look nice on paper. He's got all these, these materialistic things and stuff. So I think that's what he wins these women over. And I don't want to call, I don't want to call these women shallow because I feel really bad because I really connected with these women, especially towards the end when they're bawling their eyes out. And I'm like, oh, you girl, I'm so sorry. But I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks. And it, it is really enticing when someone can just like lavish you like with all these things. He does this where he's in trouble. Okay. He sends pictures of him in like the medics, like he sends pictures of him in the hospital, like with his head, like hit and blood everywhere. His bodyguard is like got a stab wound in, in the head and saying he's in trouble. They're after him. So he does this for like about a week. And of course the girls that are in love with him, are like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, I, what can I do to help and all this stuff? And so then he's like, Oh, they've frozen my accounts. Okay. This is where it gets interesting. So he's like, can you please send me like $10,000 and I'll totally pay you back, you know, reimburse you and all this stuff like tenfold. Well, they're in love with him, supposedly in love. Okay. I don't think they're in love, obviously, but they're in lust with him. So they freaking send him money. Like this is why he's able to keep this lifestyle up. Like this one girl took out, so she first started with credit cards. So she he employed her. So he did this fake transaction. So it looked like she made like freaking, oh my gosh, like almost over a million a year. So she was able to get high limits on her credit cards. Takes out like $25,000 on one credit card, takes out like another, like, I don't know, 15, 20,000 on another credit card. So she started with the credit cards. I think she got up to like, oh my gosh, maybe $150,000. She ended up taking out a personal loan. She kept doing it. So he would like send her a picture of a transaction, like a wire transfer, like saying, okay, it's on your way. So like that would give him some time and she would, you know, install like her disbelief. Never came obviously, but he did this with multiple women at the same time. And I'm not going to say what happens in the end. You're just gonna have to watch it, but it is freaking good. And it's sad all at once. I think mo some of us have been swindled in some way or another. I know I was catfished one time. <laughs> so to me, that was like being swindled. Luckily, he didn't like swindle me out of money or anything. But, um, oh gosh, this is another story. And it's, I guess I'll just tell it. <laughs> I was on Facebook and I kept getting messages from this one guy. And like, he kept like messaging me like, hey, how's it going? Like, and he was from his picture. He looked really good. He had like a bunch of friends like he looked legit. 
Okay, he was he was obviously in this game for the long run, so he'd been doing this for a while. Kept trying to contact me, and I'm just I kind of had see I should have went with my intuition, my gut feeling, um, to avoid him. But then all of a sudden he sends me a picture of him playing the guitar and singing. I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then I bite. Then we start having a conversation back and forth, and this this happened, guys, years ago. And now I'm starting to get these feelings for him. Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed to even say this. But yeah, it started to happen. And then we would talk on the phone. And I always thought, I'm like, oh, his voice sounds just like a little lower. <laughs> a little little lower than I imagine him. But, you know, every, some people's voice don't match what they look like. I know mine doesn't. Um, but so I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. But every time I'd FaceTime him, like, it was always dark. I couldn't really see. It was kind of like like shadowy. It was just hard to see him and it was always like he was like tired or like there's some excuse why there was never like crazy lighting. And I remember I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm just feeling getting this weird feeling. Can you just send me real quick, um, write my name down on a piece of paper and take a picture of yourself and send it to me? <laughs> I mean, right there, I should have known like if I'm asking for this, like something's going on, but Love is blind. Not that I was in love, but I'm saying lust is blind. So he does it within seconds, you guys. He sends me a picture of his hot self holding this piece of paper that says, like, Rebecca, my full name, and with a heart on it. And I was like, okay. Like, he's legit. And it only went on for another, like, few days after that because then, like, I kept thinking. I'm like, you know what? Something's off here. Oh, my gosh. No, this is what happened. Oh, fuck. This is really embarrassing. This guy and I are like kind of like dating now. The catfish dude. We're not official, but we're like really expressing our feelings towards each other. Because like when you talk to somebody on the phone all the time and text, like you get into like deep conversations, like you really get to know one another when you're just talking all the time. And I haven't met him yet. And I was, I was getting ready to fly out. He was in Arizona. I was going to fly out to see him. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I did it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just do a little bragging here. It's been like a few weeks since I've been talking with this guy. And I know, okay, it's a few weeks. Here you go. Now I'm like really understanding how these girls felt on the Tinder Swindler and how I'm like, oh my gosh, it's only been a month and you're moving in. But I get it now. Now I'm really eating my words. Ugh. So that picture that he had sent me with my name, I put it on my Instagram story this guy gets me and all this stuff and, you know, lovey, lovey stuff. Okay. There was this one guy that I, I dated a while ago. He watched my stories and I still kind of had a little bit of feelings towards him. They were dying off, but they were, I guess, still there because it was kind of fresh. He messages me right away. <laughs> he goes, Becca, that guy is a catfish. And I'm like, no, he's not. Like, what? <laughs> you talking about like you're just jealous you know and he's like no one of my girlfriends did the same thing that you're doing showed a picture of him we did like a reverse google search the guy that you think you're seeing or dating is an actual model go figure he's a model <laughs> is an actual model in germany i can't even remember the model's name oh my gosh i felt like the biggest idiot and I'm like no way like you know how when you have color and all of a sudden you just turn like ghostly white that that was me in that moment 
So I look up this model. Sure enough, he's a model and he's fucking hot. And I'm looking at his Instagram and I'm seeing all these fucking videos that this guy has sent me or these pictures that he'd sent me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, totally different name. And luckily I had never sent him any like risque photos or any nudies or anything like that. So I am so thankful for that. Um, so that made me feel good. He was asking for him for sure. So thank goodness I didn't do that. So I just wrote him back the catfish guy and I was just like, wow, I don't know how you sleep at night doing this to women. I hope one day that you will change. It was something like that along the lines. So now, <laughs> now I have this, this like false connection with this model in, <laughs> in Germany. And I'm like looking at his Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, like these feelings are coming up. I'm like, this guy doesn't even know about me. And so I end up messaging him. Okay. I messaged the model guy and I was like, listen, there's a guy that is using your pictures, your videos and everything. And he's like catfishing, catfishing women. He's been doing it for a while. I just want you to know and be aware of it. And, um, I feel like I know you really well, but I don't because <laughs> I was catfished by him, but here's his information, his name and all that. And I gave it to him and he ended up actually writing me back and he's like, Hey, thanks so much. Um, you're not the only person that's reached out to me be like, uh, regarding this situation and, I appreciate it. And I was like, okay, well, do you want to be friends now? <laughs> he was dating somebody. But yeah, we that was the last time we talked. But anyways, so I do have a time where I was catfished. And who knows, maybe if it would have gone on longer, he would have been asking for money. I don't know. I don't really know if what his intentions were just to get nudies. And when I said I was going to like, we talked about going to Arizona. I just don't think it would ever happen. I think it was just like kind of making it sound real. Just like in the Tinder swindler, he um, actually told one of the girls that he'd been dating her for like less than a month. He's like, hey, do you want to move in? And she's like, oh my gosh, yes. And so he had her looking in, I think she lived in um, Sweden. I don't remember exactly where she lived, but he had her looking in her area at apartments and gave her a limit. He's like, okay, your limit's like 80,000 a month. So go ahead and look at par apartments and let me know which one you want to pick. She was doing this and sending him video. And she's like, oh my gosh, I love this apartment and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I felt for her. So if you're looking for something to watch, that's an actually interesting documentary. It's actually quite sad. Oh, it's heartbreaking, but it's pretty good. It's good to bring that awareness that people are out there that do that kind of shit. Like, it's pretty sad that human beings treat other human beings like that. But, you know, it's life. There's good and bad people everywhere. Okay, so that was my story. Um, going back to Florida. Sorry, we kind of sidetracked a little bit, but the story needed to be said. Had a blast with my girl Blair. And we... Ended up like, you know, going out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Met up with a few other friends. Uh, Logan and Wade were down in in Florida. I'm like, how? what are the odds that are like all these Utah people down here? And like we meet up with them. It's just kind of funny. Literally like people that we hang out with all the time were down there. So we ended up hanging out with them. And uh, we went to this really nice, oh my gosh, can't even think of the name. It was down in Miami. 
this really nice hotel and they had like this rooftop restaurant. Oh, the food was phenomenal and the dessert. Oh my gosh. I, f- I was like a fat kid. I didn't even care. I mean, everybody's like dressed to the nines in Miami. People like they dress like it's their last, last day on earth. They're like, okay, we're going all out and they're fancy as shit. And I'm in this, I think pants wedge. I mean, my wedges were pretty cute wedges and I had this crop top on and I'm like, oh, this is looking pretty cute, but it's freaking cold. <laughs> It was so cold. And so I had a sweater that was like wrapped around my waist and I had to put that on. It said like New York City, this just green sweater. And I'm sitting at this like fancy like restaurant. I looked homeless, but it was, it's fine. I think I took my sweater off for like a couple pictures with Blair and then I like hurried and put it back on, but just to make it look like, oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun. See, this is Instagram right here. I mean, I was having fun, but it was cold as fuck. And that's another thing. The last four times I've been out to Florida, I swear to you, it's been like cold fronts. I've brought in like the cold weather and I don't know what the hell the deal is, but it's, I haven't had nice weather yet for, I don't, I don't know if I ever had like a really nice day in Florida yet. Maybe one day. I don't know, but it was freezing. When I say freezing, it was like 60 degrees, but it was cold because it was like really windy. It was stormy. So the next day I'm supposed to fly out. Like I said, it's a short trip. I actually really like short trips. Maybe not that short, but I do love weekend getaways. There was a direct flight from uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale to Salt Lake City. Now the day before this, it looked really good. I think there was like something like 28 seats open. No one, no non-revs. And when I say non-revs, like buddy passes. Um, no HKs. HKs are the people that transfer over from the other planes that like miss their flights. We also call them hope killers because like they just all of a sudden appear and then you get bumped off the flight. (laughs) So no hope killers. I mean, the flight looked really good. I wake up in the morning. It's packed. It's oversold actually by like six or seven. A bunch of people had listed for the flight, a bunch of HKs. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this isn't good. (laughs) Like, oh what are we going to do? And I have to get home because Monday morning I get my kids back. You know, I have, you know, my, I have animals. Um, you know, I had clients booked in the morning, so I, I had to get back. Like I, I, I couldn't, you know, take my time getting home. So I'm like, Hey, you know what? Maybe something will happen. I'm like, maybe, um, someone won't like a bunch of people will get drunk. Like all these scenarios are running in my head. Maybe, you know, someone's going to get sick or they're going to get like be in traffic and they're going to miss their flight. And then, you know, everybody that's listed, they're going to go list for other flights. Cause usually that's what they do. They'll, they'll look and be like, okay, this flight's full. Then they'll go and list for another flight. So I'm like, wish totally wishful thinking on this. And then I'm like, you know what? I can manifest anything. I can change anything. I'm a creator. (laughs) I got this. So I'm like meditating with Hoppe. I feel good about it, about this flight that I'm going to catch. And I think he even pulled a couple cards and it was like, luck is on your side and all this shit. I was like, okay. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to keep this, this flight Blair. She's like, okay. So she takes me down. It's like probably like six and 6 PM. And I'm down in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, and even when I went through the doors, I, the doors were, the number was two, two, two. So I'm like, okay, this is a for sure thing. I got this. And I don't make it. 
Okay, now now stress is starting to kick in because I have to be home. It's starting to kick in. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And now not only is the stress kicking in, now the self-doubt is kicking in because I'm like, I felt good about this. Like I was following my intuition. Um, I had a card that, that read, luck is on your side. Um, I walked through a door that said 222. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker, I had all these signs and I'm not on that plane. I'm reliving these emotions right now. So I'm getting emotional thinking about it. So I'm sitting in the airport and I'm like, fuck. Like this is the la- like one of the, well, the last direct flight out. So now I'm going to have to try to connect. Blair's frantically behind the scenes trying to connect me to all these other flights. I'm in the airport. She's like, okay, there's another flight. Um, it's it's leaving in an hour. And that one, I think it went to, um, gosh, I want to say Detroit. So I was going to go to ch- Detroit, then catch that one, and then fly home. Well, that left. So now, okay, now I'm still at the airport. I've been there now for like two hours. Now there's another flight that flies into JFK, New York City. Um, I'm going to have to stay the night in the airport and then try to get on the early morning flight at 6 a.m., which isn't looking good, like oversold, or there was like one seat left or something like that. I'm like, fuck. So after like contemplating all this, I'm like, okay. And then I think Boston was in there. She was going to fly me to Boston. I was going to stay the night in Boston. Then Detroit, which I was like really scared. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> she was looking at all these uh, different routes. And finally, she's like, you know what? Why don't you just come back? And there's one flight that leaves in the morning. Um, you're, it flies all the way to L.A. And then if you make it to L.A., there's like three flights that fly out within an hour of each other that fly to Salt Lake City. She goes, why don't you try that? And I'm like, she's like, but it, there's only one seat open. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh. Okay. And so I had to make this decision. I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to do that. So I go back to her house. Maybe 9.30. And I'm hanging out with her and she's, she's pretty down. Um, there's some things that has been going on in her life that she'd confided into me and still kind of felt down. And, you know, when your best friend leaves too, so there's, there's, there's that it affects your mood. And so I was just hanging out with her and I could feel that she was pretty down and I was way down because I'm like, I mean, I believe I, I preach this stuff to people. I'm like, you can manifest anything you want. You're the creative of your life. So if you can imagine like me living this day by day and telling people that they have hope, they have chances, they can change their life, they can turn it around and I can't even fucking manifest me getting my ass on a plane. Like I'm pretty low. I brought my hop with me, thank goodness. <laughs> it goes everywhere. I almost didn't take it. And then I was like, nah, I, I think I might need this. I'm going to take it. And, um, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go take a bath. And I'm going to do some hobby and meditate because I'm feeling like shit. So I just need to like de-stress and release some of this, this negative energy that I'm holding on to. So I'm sitting in the bath. Right before I did some hobby, my intention was 
I asked a question. And I said, why am I still here? Why am I in Florida and not flying home? I started to think, okay, what other things do I do I preach and do I live by and do I teach? Is everything happens for a reason. Technically, we're not in control. That sometimes the universe will put us down certain paths that will teach us lessons that are actually for our highest good. A lot of the time we, we don't even understand in the moment. But then after we we then understand. So those thoughts started coming to mind. I got this overwhelming feeling almost right away in this thought that came into my mind is your friend needs you. I'm like bawling my eyes out in in the bathtub. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that's why I'm still here. And I still don't know if I'm making the, the flight in the morning. Like I've, I have so much doubt in me right now that I'm just like, fuck this. So after I get out of the bath, I go into Blair's room. She's watching some reality show and I turn it off. I said, listen, I need to do some Reiki on you. I just want to do Reiki on you. I just feel like compelled to do this. She's like, okay. And she wasn't feeling good, like physically and mentally. So I did some Reiki on her and it was like a very like spiritual experience. And then after she physically started feeling better and then mentally she had her release because she didn't really release. And when I say release, like she cried after, like expressed a few things to me and talked to her a little bit. And then the interesting thing is right after I got done doing Reiki on her and I didn't tell her this, I didn't tell her like what came to me during my meditation. All I said is I need to do Reiki on you. And I didn't, and I didn't really tell her like my negative thoughts and my self doubt that was coming through because I didn't want to make her feel bad. Um, because I didn't get on any of these flights. So I kind of kept all that to myself. And the first thing that she said to me after I was done doing Reiki on her was, you know, I know it really sucks that you missed all those flights. I'm so glad that you're here with me. I really need a friend right now. (laughs) And of course I started crying and I was like, yeah, that came to me. (laughs) And then I open up what I had been feeling and then she opened about open up about what she had been going through. This is the reason why I'm still in Florida right here. Um, I wasn't able to see it. I didn't understand it when it happened. Going back to trusting the process. Trusting that everything is meant for you in that moment, whatever it is, even if it's negative, you're going to learn from it. You're going to grow from it. And you might even help somebody else from it as well. So that was a good lesson for me is to trust. Trust there is a reason for everything that happens to you. And that next morning, the flight was at, I believe, 6.30 a.m. So we woke up at like 5. And she looks at the loads and stuff and it's like it's worse than it was the night before. It's like oversold there's so many people listed non-revs, which is buddy passes. And they're all above me. There was like 12 of them. I was the last one. So I have no priority. And I think there was a couple HKs on there. And I was like, she's like, yeah, girl, this is not looking good. She's like, but I have a backup plan. If you don't make this, I'm going to fly you all the way to Raleigh. 
North Carolina. And then from North Carolina, you're going to fly home, hopefully. She's like, there's a few a few seats open. So it still didn't look good. But that was like the only backup plan we had. And then it would put me in at like 9 p.m. I'm supposed to get my kids at like 9 a.m. on Monday. And I was like, oh, this, this fucking sucks. So I'm like waiting. And all of a sudden, it was like, I mean, the best thing I could say was a miracle. All of a sudden, all these seats just started opening up. People didn't show up. And I got on that flight. And I flew all the way to L.A. And then there was three flights out, all within an hour of each other. So the first flight wasn't looking good. I missed that one. And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go again. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I'm some, there's a reason why I didn't get on that first flight. Like, I hope I make the second one. And the second wasn't looking good either. Like, they just all of a sudden just started, like, filling up. That's what they do. And I there was one girl that uh, worked for Delta, and she was flying non-rev, too. She had a buddy pass, and she was with her family. She was with her husband and her two kids. And her husband and two kids got on that first flight um, from L.A. to Salt Lake. And she said, you know what? I'll catch the next one. And so she ended up sitting next to me and we had, we like hit it off automatically. We were talking and enjoying each other's conversations. And she's like, Hey, do you want to go to the, like the Delta sky lounge with me? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we went up there. Okay guys, the Delta lounge is so fucking awesome. They have like all this food catered for free. They have like free drinks, um, nice seating area. It's nice and quiet. It's like, you're not even in the airport. So I got to go up there, hang out with her and have fun. And then we catch the second flight together. I was like one of the last ones that got on. And I got like comfort plus. So I got this nice, like comfy seat, like plenty of leg room, free drinks. And, I, and then I'm like, as I'm sitting in there, like flying home, I'm thinking to myself, wow, like the universe really made up for like what happened to me yesterday. And, and I'm able to see the whole picture now that I'm like kind of out of it. I'm like, I've stepped back and I'm, I'm looking at it with a different perspective now. If I would have just trusted, if I would have just put a little bit more faith in the process, I wouldn't have had to go through all that self-doubt and stress. But we are human. So don't beat yourself up when you do that. But just know when things like that happen to you, when when our plans don't go to plan, <laughs> which they usually don't, <laughs> they don't usually pan out. Just know that there's a reason for that. And usually it's, it's for the higher good. Usually it's going to teach you something good. And that taught me that it's all going to work out in the end. It's all going to be good in the end. And if it's not good in the end, then it's not the end. So there you have it. That was my, gosh, that was a, sorry, that was a long story, just of Florida, but this is how things go. Like you never know where it's going to go, but so I'm thankful I could, I was there for my friend. I really am. And I, I remember thinking like, I wish I could help her out. I remember saying that during my stay there, I wish I could do something for her. And sure enough, the universe was like, what, what did you say? My, your wishes is my command. <laughs> You're staying in Florida extra day. There's a bigger plan than we know about. 
interesting. Okay. So lately I have been watching um, Gaia TV. Um, it's an app you can get on your smart TV and it's like a subscription. So I think you pay like $99 a year, but it's so worth it. You guys It has so many documentaries on there of like spiritual practices, um, uh, plant medicine, things that um, are highly censored that I think everybody should know. And, and like, it's not just that stuff too, that has like meditation videos on there that, that are really useful. Um, it had a, there was this really good uh, documentary about um, the honeymoon phase and they break it down in a more um, understanding way of why people experience that high in the beginning and how it dwindles away. That is an amazing documentary. Sorry, I can't think of the name, but it's on Gaia TV. I recently watched um, Ram Das. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but I kept hearing his name and I was like, okay, who the fuck is this dude? So I went on there and I watched his documentary. I love him. He kind of reminds me of myself. Okay. <laughs> As only, I'm only saying that because he's, he's funny. Yeah. And I think I'm funny, but he's, he is, he's very like, let's keep things lighthearted, but very spiritual. So that's how I do the comparison. I'm not comparing myself to like, like all the experience that he has. Cause he, I mean, he went to India for like years and years and, and he's a professor, like very smart dude. And, but just wasn't connecting, wasn't like connecting with his body, so to speak. Um, he always felt like he was different than what society pinned him to be where he was like, it's weird because people look at me and, and I'm really don't feel like I am that person that they see. His documentary um, is called becoming nobody. And it's so good. And just, that line in itself becoming nobody um what he's referring to what he means by that which i'm interpreting this so i I hope it's not wrong but what i think he means by that is that we are so conditioned in um our tribes that we're in especially from birth and our society our parents have conditioned us our friends condition us so really what he's saying is like we're growing up to being this this somebody but really what we should strive to be is like nobody. You'll understand it if you watch the documentary. <laughs> we basically, we lie to ourselves. We think that we're this person or we have to be this person in order for us to um, thrive or be accepted. But really what it comes down to is separating the ego from the, from from yourself or your being. And when, when we're able to separate that, that's when we really find ourselves who we really are, which is the whole premise of becoming nobody. He had one segment in there in his documentary that he touched base on was death, which was really interesting. And death has always been interesting to me. I remember growing up and I remember my dad and, and I was raised in the LDS religion and in that religion, they believe if you commit suicide, at least when I was growing up, that's what they believed. I don't know if they've changed it. They change a lot of things, it seems like. But if you commit suicide, you go to hell. And so that's what I was raised in believing, which I don't believe that at all anymore. But I remember my dad said one day, Becca, if people knew what was on the other side of death, they would all be killing themselves to get there. 
and I was pretty young when he told me this. And so I was like, kind of like, what? <laughs> like, what? But that resonated with me. It stuck with me for a long time. Now I'm like, okay with death. It's not like I'm striving to die. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to die. And I'm not excited like the actual process of death. But I'm excited for what's to come after. So I'm going to read a little bit about what Ramdas has to say about death. <clears throat> There's a tombstone in Ashby, Massachusetts that reads, Remember, friend, as you pass by, you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you must be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Something has happened to me as a result of meandering through many realms of consciousness over the past 50 years that have changed my attitude towards death. A lot of fear about death has gone from me. I am someone who actually delights in being with people as they are dying. It is such incredible grace for me. In the morning, if I know I am going to be with such a person, I get absolutely thrilled because I know I'm going to have an opportunity to be in the presence of truth. I'm going to repeat that sentence. I'm going to have an opportunity to be in the presence of truth. Now, after I listened to him say that paragraph, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, I want to start being around old people. <laughs> like, I want to start going to old homes and just hanging out with them because I'm like, Yes, they are truth. Have you ever talked to someone that was like on their deathbed? All they have is truth. They just say it like it is and they don't care. They give no fucks to who's around and who's listening. They speak from the heart. And can you imagine if we all spoke that way and didn't wait till our deathbeds? That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's being your true authentic self. Just saying whatever the fuck you want to say. Even if you're scared, it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. I mean, obviously be kind, but you know, speak your mind. Find who you truly are. Stop doing things and saying things just because you think that person is expecting you to do that certain thing. Stop saying things and stop speaking certain things just because you're afraid of what people are going to think of you. And you're afraid you might lose that person if you truly show them who you really are and what you truly like. Knock that shit off. Okay, I'm going to continue reading. It is now becoming acceptable in our culture for people to die. For many decades, death was kept behind closed doors. But now we are allowing it to come out into the open. Having grown up in this culture, the first few months I spent in India in the 1960s were quite an experience. There, when someone dies, the body is placed on a pallet wrapped in a sheet and carried through the streets to the burning grounds while a mantra is chanted. Death is out in the open for everyone to see. The body is right there. It isn't in a box. It isn't hidden. And because India is a culture of extended families, most people are dying at home. So most people, as they grow up, have been in the presence of someone dying. They haven't walked away from it and hidden from it as we have in the West. I was certainly one of the people in this culture who had hid from death, but over the past few decades I, decades, I have changed dramatically. The initial change came as a result of my experiences with psychedelic chemicals. I came into contact with a part of my being that I had not identified with in my adult life. I was a Western psychologist, a professor at Harvard, and a philosopher. 
What I experienced through psychedelics was extremely confusing because there was nothing in my background that prepared me to deal with another component of my being. Once I started to experience myself as being of consciousness rather than a psychologist, the experience profoundly changed the nature of my life. It changed who I thought I was. Prior to my first experience with psychedelics, I identified with that which dies, the ego. The ego is who I think I am. Now, I identify much more with who I really am, the soul. As long as you identify with that which dies, there is always fear of death. What our ego fears is the cessation of its own existence. Although I didn't know what form it would take after death, I realized that the essence of my being and the essence of my awareness is beyond death. I love that. And speaking of death, now I'm going to get into George. So George was somebody that I had dated a few years back. We had met on Valentine's Day um, in Park City, Utah. And at first I didn't like him, actually. <laughs> I was like, eh, not really my type. Um, he's got this funny English accent. Well, okay, I lie because I really like English accents. <laughs> um, kind of goofy guy. Wasn't feeling it the first like hour or two. I was on this double date with Blair. Speaking of Blair, talked about it earlier. And I was only there because she was on a date and he tagged along. So then I tagged along. Gosh, he had so much energy. George is, is the fun guy. So much fun. You can't stop laughing when you're around George. And I finally started to like really dig him. I really was like, okay, this guy's really cool. And obviously he was in for a ski trip. He lived in New York City and he was a professional tennis player, but taught tennis now. So he's like a tennis coach up in uh, White Plains. And so I'm like, oh, there's just no way. Like, this is not going to work. Well, we made it work. Like, I would fly out to New York every couple of weeks. He would fly out to Utah. Like, we did this back and forth thing. And it was like a, it was like I was on, like on a honeymoon for a long extended time. We never got sick of each other because we were always in that honeymoon phase. And it was always fun when I was with George. Like, we always party together. We played stupid, funny games. He always had tons of friends. He was always surrounded by so many friends. Always the life of the party, loud and just fun. I would have to say, like, he had really broke my heart. And it, it, it took a lot to get over him. Then we kind of stayed friends and then kind of lost touch for like about a year. He started dating somebody else. And she didn't want him being friends with me. <laughs> totally understandable. I mean, <laughs> I had an ex-girlfriend like Becca. I wouldn't want to be friends with her either. But anyways, um, so <laughs> lost touch. Well, about a few weeks ago, messages me out of the blue. Him and his girl got in a fight, was trying to get a hold of me. Well, I knew he'd been drinking, so then I didn't respond at all. And the next day, I'd sent him a message kind of ripping him a new one saying, really, George, you're going to reach out to me now. It's been a year. What did you and your girl get in a fight? Like you're pathetic. I don't even think of you as a friend anymore. <laughs> like pretty mean. <laughs> About a week and a half later, 
All right. I had woke up from a text message from one of his um, really good friends saying that he had died. I didn't even know how to process this. <laughs> I don't know if it was shock or just that I'm so um, different than I was in the past about death. But I, I couldn't even cry. I just, I just read it and like the first thought that came to me, I mean, other than like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Cause I feel like that's kind of the narrative. Like, even though I don't think that it's just kind of something that we say it's a condition. I thought, oh my gosh, his soul's free now. There's a lot of things that people don't know about George, but he had some pretty deep, dark shit that he was dealing with and um, he loved to drink. And the alcohol got the best of him. He ended up drunk driving and going really fast and hit a car. And then that knocked him over the rail and hit a pole and his car caught on fire and flipped him over and he was trapped. I'm assuming he died on impact, so I'm hoping. Because that would be a really horrible way to go. So the night before, I had um, had a really long ceremony with a bunch of friends and so we'd stayed up till almost like 2 2 a.m and I was exhausted so when I woke up like that was like the first text I read so I'm like I don't even know and like we had cried so much the night before like we just kind of let a bunch of stuff out like I was around a lot of people that I felt comfortable with so I let a lot of my emotions out and I'm like I don't even have tears to cry right now I'm like I was kind of upset that I couldn't cry and I'm like it's not that I'm heartless it's not that I don't care about them I just don't have anything left to me. I felt like I just don't have anything to give. Here's an interesting thing. It's like everybody processed things different. And I didn't realize like it would kick in later. And I was, of course, in the bath. I swear I'm like, live, I live in the bath when I'm not, <laughs> when I'm not taking care of my kids and working. I'm like always in the bath. Like that's my, my go-to place. And I did some hopping and meditating and I can't remember what my intention was. I think it was just kind of like what um, needs to come to me, allow it. So I'm just going to be like kind of free with this, this intent, with my intention. All of a sudden George just comes right in my mind. And then I felt like George was there. Like I felt this, this presence and what he had said to me was, Hey, I forgive you what you said to me, the last thing that you said to me before I died. I know that wasn't, I know that's not what you really felt. I know that's not, I know that you didn't mean ill feelings towards me and that I love you. And I'm like, now I'm like the floodgates are open now. I'm bawling and he was still there with me. And he also said to me, I have a lot of stuff that I need to work on before I come back to earth and I'm working on that and I want to thank you for loving me. And I think he said a few other things, but I don't quite remember, but it was very beautiful. Um, and then that night, okay, this is where it gets really crazy guys. <laughs> not only am I speaking to spirits, that's not even the crazy part. So I am going to bed now. I'm in bed. I got the lights out. And anybody that has cats, they know that they're fucking insane. They're fucking crazy. They're all over the place, especially late at night. 
Well, my cats are a little different. Like I kind of know their routine. They like to chase each other. They chase each other downstairs. But this was like different. It was like somebody was playing with them. And I remember that they were so freaking loud. They were in my bedroom. And I got up and turned the light on. And like, it was like they were batting at something in the air. Like, a little different than what cats do. I know that you're probably thinking like, that's just cat shit. But no, I swear to you, like, I know my cats. It was different. And then all of a sudden I heard like, in my mind was like, George was laughing. Like it came back and like, George was so goofy, had such a goofy personality. And so I'm like, okay, you can knock it off playing with my cats now. This is like midnight now. I get a message from his best friend saying he's having a hard time. He just needs someone to talk to. I haven't talked to this friend in over a year. Messages me. After I, after I talked to his friend, then I get a message from uh, his sister wanting to talk to me. It was like the whole theme of George, the whole freaking night. How bizarre. How bizarre. So that was interesting. So going back on the whole death thing, um, don't fear death. It's a, it's part of the process. And Ram Das's famous last words were, <laughs> death is safe. So don't fear it. It's all, it's, it's all the cycle. It's all cycle of life. So, um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, so speaking of cats, um, my, my kitten, uh, Lulu, she had her first mouse the other night. I woke up to them, like I heard this like little thing squeaking and I was like, oh fuck, like I already knew what it was. And I woke up and they had trapped this little baby mouse and she actually doesn't go outside, Lulu doesn't. So Jojo's the killer. She goes out and hunts these mice and she must have found a nest because she's bringing the last few weeks, She's, I'm getting like a baby mouse every few days in my house. She's bringing them in. Or they might be coming actually through the dog door because I do have dog food right there. <laughs> That could be a possibility. So they've got this little baby mouse trapped. And this is like 2 a.m. Like they're just hunting it. And oh, I finally caught it. I had to flush it down the toilet. I felt horrible because it was still alive. Oh, and it was so cute. Like baby mice are freaking cute. And But it's a filled mouse because I have a field behind my house. And so it, I just knew there was so many out there just breeding like crazy. So I thanked it for, for living and then I flushed it. Uh, then it happened again the other night. Then yesterday before our, I was turning all the lights off in the house, I was getting ready to go to bed and I'm like, what is Jojo doing? This is my older cat. She's the killer. And she's looking in my, my yoga mat was on next to my kitchen floor and it was folded up. So it's got like this little, like, it's like a cone now. It's like a little tunnel and she's like, scratching the shit out of my yoga mat. And this yoga mat is freaking expensive too. So now I'm like pissed. And I see all these little shavings from the yoga mat. And I look in there and of course, it's a freaking little baby mouse trapped in the middle of it. So I pick it up. I pick up the yoga mat and I like went outside and I shook the mouse out and then just like scurried off. And so I saved a mouse. I feel I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> Flush it down the toilet. Um, but here's the thing. Lulu is like a fucking panther. She's fierce and crazy, but she's also like an amazing snuggler. She loves to snuggle. She's really sweet when she wants to go to sleep. So every night 
when I'm in bed, she comes in and she like snuggles. She like kind of wraps her body around my neck and like just sleeps on my chest and kind of suffocates me a lot of the time. And sometimes her whiskers stick in my nose and then it itches my nose. And now I'm awake and, and then we're constantly moving together. So it's kind of annoying, but kind of sweet. It's probably why I don't sleep very well. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's it. <laughs> but what she does, she has this, these little furry to- toys that she loves. And she's, she's like a dog, you guys. It's crazy. She, you throw it. She runs off the bed, catches it, runs back and drops it right like on your chest or by your hand. And we, we do this all the time. We play this game. It's like probably 10, 15 times. She'll just chase it, catch it, bring it back. So at night, I don't know if she's like wanting to play or she just wants to bring her toy with her when she sleeps, but she always lays it on my neck. So I have this little fuzzy thing that I wake up. I have like either her on my neck or the toy. Now my fear, if you guys haven't guessed it already, now that she's got a taste for little mice and now that spring is here and the mice are breeding like crazy outside my home, she's going to grab one of those little mice alive or dead and drop it in my bed around my neck. I, I shouldn't even be talking about this right now because I'm probably manifesting it right now as we speak. I don't want that to happen. I am like, now I'm like living in fear when I go to bed because I think she's going to do that. And I know y'all just shut the door. No, I can't shut my door because she will, one time she actually opened the door. I don't know how she fucking did it. It was like Houdini. She, she got in my, my room. Cause I did try to shut her out, especially when like my boys have sleep overnights in my bed. I don't like her waking them up. So I'll shut her out, but I can't anymore because she scratches, she pulls up the whole carpet, like at the seam, trying to get in the room. And then she meows and it's like horrible. She has to be in my room when I go to bed. So now I feel like a prisoner almost in my home. Now I'm in fear of waking up with this little mouse around my neck. I, I, I really hope it doesn't happen, but I'm scared. So there's that. I got to tell you about this. So I recently got my uh, air ducts cleaned in my house. I have never had it cleaned. I've lived in this home for almost seven years now. I've never had them cleaned. And you can imagine <laughs> how dirty they are because I have had two dogs, tons of pets. I mean, fur to glore. And I had a golden retriever too. So it was like always like furry in my house. We had a vacuum like once or twice a day sometimes to like get the the fur and the hair under control. So I decided, especially with like, I swear I've been so congested lately. I'm, I sound congested right now just because I kind of got a little teary eyed, but I, I'm like so clear now. I can breathe good. I wanted to give it a try too, because I, I knew that they'd be freaking nasty. And I'm like, okay, I'm breathing in all that debris. So I had called this uh, air duct company out and it's called Air Pro Utah. I have to give them a shout out because phenomenal service. First of all, the one of the owners, Eden, um, he's from Israel, like so cool. We actually got to talking. <laughs> um, come to find out, like he used to listen to me on the radio that was fun. Cause he's like, yeah, you're doing the radio. Like, so he brought up all that trauma. <laughs> he didn't know, but, and he still obviously listens to them. Unfortunately, Eden, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta switch you over to a different radio station. <laughs> so Eden, I talked to Eden for a while. He's the, one of the owners. So cool. Not only did they clean out all the air ducts in my home. Well, they did the downstairs, 
And they actually have a promotion going on right now. I think it's like 29 or $39 for like 10 ducks to clean out the vents. And that's, that's for like, if you want to continue to maintain your, your cleaning, you get that price. So if you're like me where you've never had it clean out, you're going to need the deep cleaning. So it was a few more hundred dollars, um, but it's worth it because I swear to you, I breathe so much better. Like you can just smell the freshness in my, my house now. It's just like, it's so much clear and crisp. Um, so he did that. He also sprayed the sanitizing stuff and it's all organic, no chemicals. He sprayed it in my ducts. So it like kind of sanitizes and cleans even more. He also did my dryer vent. You know, the air duct that goes out from like, it's hooked up to your dryer and then it goes outside. So you can always like smell people. Like I always love, I always love like walking by people's house. And I know when they're doing laundry, I can just smell that like tied smell. I'm like, oh, it smells so good. <laughs> but it's that, that part right there. Well, apparently you need to get that cleaned out like at least once a year. So if you have never had that cleaned, you need to clean. I had never known to clean it and it was pretty disgusting. So they cleaned that out for me too. It's a fire hazard. So people can, their vents and shit can catch on fire because it has all the, um, what is it called? That lint from the clothes. It gets stuck into that vent and then it catches on fire. So you should probably get that clean. But they have like programs too where they can do like the UV lights to kill all the bacterias and germs. And that helps with allergies and asthma as well. So you should totally give them a call. So check them out. It's Air Pro Utah. The main guy is Eden. They're a phenomenal team. I totally trust them. The phone number is 801-499-3974. Again, that's 499-3974. Very trustworthy. I like them. They're cool people. Uh, and then also the last thing that I wanted to mention just real briefly, don't go yet. Uh, next week, hopefully I get this out in the next day or two so you guys can be prepared. <laughs> but next week, if you're in Utah, um, on Tuesday, the 22nd of this month, so what are we in January, March, March 22nd, it's World Water Day. And Enaviv is throwing this big uh, kind of party for World Water Day. And it's at their location uh, in Pleasant Grove. And it's going to be from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And I'm going to be there. So I'll probably get there after I pick my kids up. I'm going to take my kids. I'm going to be there probably like from like 4 p.m. to close to 8 p.m. So I would love it if you guys would join us. It is for a good cause. All the proceeds and donations go to Charity Water. 100% proceeds go to them. Charity Water is a nonprofit organization that gives back to world countries, um, like a lot of country, uh, a lot of places in Africa uh, that f kids and families don't have water. Like they don't even have wells. And so what Charity Water does, they go and they are able to get equipment out there and they dig wells. So these people can even have water and then they try to make it as pure as possible for them. So 100% of the proceeds go to Charity Water. And so we're going to put on this big party we're going to have raffle tickets there. We're going to have gift baskets and you know, we'd love it if you would just could donate like, I mean, gosh guys, just $5. That's like skipping a coffee at Starbucks and you probably shouldn't even be drinking coffee anyways at Starbucks because Starbucks sucks. They're disgusting. Go to Dutch bros. If you're going to drink coffee, there you go. <laughs> but skip a coffee one morning. And even if you just come stop by and say hi, drop $5 for a donation. That's freaking phenomenal. But I would love to say hi to you. I'd love to shake your hand, give you a hug. 
Teresa and Trent are the owners of Enaviv. They go all out with everything. So the food is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be so delicious. I, just, I can't wait just for the food. But uh, the food's going to be great. They're going to have actually a bunch of different workshops. They're going to have like tile painting. They're going to have a bunch of other things that you can do with your kids too. So bring all your family and your kids. Bring everybody. Um, it's going to be great. My my boys, Boston and Tucker, are going to be there. So I would love it if you just stop by and say hi. And if you can't make it or you don't live in Utah and you want to donate to a wonderful cause because this is phenomenal. Water is life. And we're helping those in need that don't have water. Um, but if you want to donate, you can actually go to here. I'm going to tell you right now where to go. Enaviv Water, which is E-N-E-V-I-V-E Water. That's their Instagram tag. So if you go on their Instagram and you click on their their link in their bio. So right underneath where it explains what Enaviv is, like health and wellness website, Utah Independent Water Research and Consulting Firm has their phone number. Right underneath their phone number, there's a link and it's called charitywater.org slash Enaviv. So you can either type that link in or you can go to their Instagram and click on that link. It will take you directly there. You can actually donate right there, put your email address in. It feels good to help out, especially when you know it's a legit organization and you know that it's going to families and little kids that need this to actually survive. Um, not only are they going to have all these cool gift baskets there and stuff, but I'm also putting some stuff in so I can help as well. So I'm going to be having some gift certificates to the Rose Moon. You guys all know that I own the Rose Moon. It's my holistic healing company. So I'm going to be having some $25 gift certificates, $50 gift certificates, even $100 gift certificates. Those are going to be included in the gift baskets. So we're totally hooking you up by um, just donating a little bit of money and your time. So please join me and Enaviv and also Redmond Salt's going to be there. Um, amazing people are going to be there. I know they're going to have great people there, great energy. Please join us on World Water Day, Tuesday, the 22nd of this month, 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at their Enaviv location in Pleasant Grove. It is 527 West State Street, Suite 104, Pleasant Grove, Utah, 840. Six two Again, that's 527 West State Street, Suite 104, Pleasant Grove, Utah, 84062. Um, so meet me there next Tuesday, the 22nd. I would love to say hi to you guys. And their goal is to reach $10,000. We can totally get them there. We can totally do it. Um, we're going to donate all that to Charity Water. It's going to be phenomenal. So can't wait to see you guys there.